Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Catching up with City Council Chair Richard McGinnis for a good conversation this morning on Lincoln Live. Richard, Happy New Year. First chance I've had to speak to you. You bet. Happy New Year. We've been, uh, we had a couple weeks off for the holidays, so it's time for us to get right back at it. Let's go back to the latest City Council meeting. Your fellow council member, Rory Christensen, tried to end the open-ended COVID emergency declaration. Wasn't successful. You were one of three, though, that did vote. Uh, could you express your reasonings this morning? Okay. Well, my reasonings on my vote was that we wanted to have, well, mostly uh, Councilman Shobe and I really wanted to have a chance for uh, an open discussion, get some transparency in what the mayor's emergency uh, clause really is as compared to it's totally different than what the health director can do with their DHM. Uh, the emergency clause is really a financial clause. It's something that we use when there's floods or tornadoes and we're looking for federal assistance and those type of things. It really doesn't give her an excess amount of power. And that's kind of a falsehood that both uh, Councilman Shobe and I and Christensen would like to have gotten it out into the public some. I don't believe now's the time to end this, uh, but it would have been a good time to have a discussion about uh what the clause is and when and like you said it's not he wasn't trying to end it at this point mm-hmm. he just wanted to set some dates out there so we would have discussions again in 60 90 days or whatever so it wasn't open-ended at this point clarify physically what an emergency declaration does in this case with covid well in this case the emergency declaration gives them some powers to the mayor to do some financial uh, grants, to ask for federal aid in emergency situations, to go out after federal aid, and to spend some of it beyond the budget. Uh, If we get some of this emergency aid, we've received uh, $8 million for public safety so far. That's been going to our fire and to our police and to EMS and the 911 center. Um, So there is money we're receiving today from the federal government or from the state government. The state's been putting them out too. And so I think we wanted some more clarification. Do we need to be in an emergency situation? And we do with some of them like FEMA and some of the federal, but maybe on some of the state we don't. So it, for me, it was more of a chance to have some more clarification at this point. Yes, uh, fellow council member Sandra Washington said that the, it puts federal dollars at risk uh, do you feel that simply by clarifying an open-ended declaration and putting durations on it, that that would have jeopardized federal money? No, it wouldn't have. I mean, um, not what I've heard. Um, but we're still going to be looking into it. It's on pending. Uh, we can pull it back at any time if we feel like we need to. They just didn't feel like at this point was the time to have the discussion. And quite frankly, Dale, in this climate right now, uh, people are pretty emotional and excited about one side or the other. Mm -hmm. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a good time to wait uh, another 30 days before we have this discussion. One more item on Monday's city council. Uh, Carrie Herrera uh, was appointed to the Citizen Police Advisory Board along with uh, Brittany Hodges-Bolkovec, a teacher at Dawes Middle School, expanding the CPAB to seven members, uh, claims that Carrie Herrera, the widow of Mario Herrera, the Lincoln police officer who died in September after being shot in August, claims that she could not remain impartial given her personal circumstances. Uh, Your thoughts on that claim? I don't believe that. I... Don't know, uh, Miss Herrera, that well. But what I do know of her, and when I have talked to her, I see she will be a very fair person going forward. She's a lifelong Lincolnite. She's grown up here all of her life. She's in the Northeast. She's she knows the city and she knows how to make it work, and how we all work together and collaborative. So I don't see any problem with Carrie. City Council Chair Richard McGinnis. Richard, let's move on to other city business. Uh, the Help me understand something, too, that I find really interesting because I don't hear of it happening very often. The intent of the city to serve as an issuer of multifamily housing revenue bonds of up to $10 million for privately owned multifamily housing around 36th and R. Break that down for us. Well, the, the bonding that we're going to vote on is, is a, like you said, a revenue bonding, and it's going to be secured by revenue from the developer or from the owner or from the issuer. And so, in a way, all we're doing in this uh, bond is using our credit um, and our good credit to get a little lower rate to help the developer and or the owners of these housing units uh, to get a lower interest rate and saving some money. It's something that Lincoln had done, or actually Lancaster County and Lincoln had done a lot of with what we used to call IDA bonds and industrial development authority bonds. Uh, the old Fleming Foods at 14th and Highway 2 was built with those, where the county would go out and issue and the city would go out and issue bonds under their name, but it would be paid off by and guaranteed by the owner of the property and move forward so the city really doesn't have any risk it's just a way to lower the the entry cost into some of these and instead of doing industrial bonds we're going to do multifamily, and just so we can work on lowering the entry point into affordable housing which is a a big goal of mayor gaylor bayards to try to get Mm -hmm. somewhere or in all parts of the city uh, more affordable housing Uh, what's the time frame for this richard um, well, for this bonding, we're going to, they need our approval so they can move forward to the next level on this. Uh, it will go in front of planning, I think, in the next couple weeks, um, the whole project. It's about 90-some units, maybe close to 100 units, all along the west edge of Wyuka Cemetery, uh, kind of behind the Eeks uh, story. It used to be the old post office there at about 30 what 35th and o street almost all the way to vine and uh there's a lot of vacant ground down through there that they're going to go ahead and put uh kind of townhome type units in there for the low income or lower it'll be 60 percent uh, ami which is the adjusted medium income or lower so it will be uh, a good project for the 
Let's stay with the city's growth here. The comprehensive plan uh, conformance for a new south of downtown redevelopment and strategic plan. This is big. 264 acres from South 10th to South 17th, A Street to L Street. Break that down for us. Well, it's a plan that's been been in the works for probably, I would say, over two years, Uh, maybe even three years. There's been a lot of data being gathered. Civic Nebraska's been in there uh, doing door-to-door data. You've heard, and I hope most of the citizens have heard, that south of downtown uh, is working hard to come up with an identity and try to figure out uh, their next steps. And this comp plan um, that's coming forward for the south of downtown is probably kind of the final step to set it out there and say, here's what we're going to do. Um, it's a good plan. It, it, it's good for the for that area of town. It's good for the whole city that we can get some redevelopment and some guidance of how to redevelop in that area. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a link from the Haymarket. This has nothing to do with Haymarket. This is more Goodhue Boulevard. This is more around the Capitol area. Correct. Around uh, McPhee all the way down to South Street, basically. Uh, it, the plan doesn't go to South, it stops at A, but it's pretty much all part of that uh, area that, and, and it does, it gives some guidance, gives some assistance and ways for redevelopment in the area. And one final subject, Richard, that I threw out there uh, to get your attention, <laughs> because I don't know anything about it, wondering if there's a problem with third-party food delivery services. There's a, there's a, an item to set the maximum fee for third-party food delivery services. First of all, define third-party food services, and is this a result of, of COVID? Uh, yes. So they're saying that it will only go in effect during the emergency clause, while the emergency clause is in effect, and then it would go away. Uh, this is a response from some of the uh, restaurant owners and bar owners that are saying that they're getting a lot more uh, orders through national food delivery services, the DoorDash, the Uber Eats, and such. And they have been claiming that they charge the restaurant person or the person serving the food or making the food uh, too high of a price. And you know it's it's an app that you go through, and then they order it directly. Let's take DoorDash, orders it directly from the restaurant, and then they go collect a 30% fee from the restaurant, and then they collect a delivery fee from you and a tip. And most of the restaurant people say they can't make any money doing that. Uh, for me, it's more they don't have to use DoorDash if they don't want to. Uh, other restaurants have used other uh, delivery services. Um, Yaya's, for instance, uses Metro Dining. Uh, delivery, which is a local one. Um, others use their own delivery service. But a lot of them feel like there is an, a large uptick of these orders coming in through these national vendors. And the restaurant people don't want to be held hostage with their high percentages. And so they want the city to put a mandate on what percentage these uh, delivery services can charge. Always get a lot out of our conversation, Richard. I'm sure the (laughs) listeners do, too, because just so much is on a city council member's plate. And citizens are busy and don't get a chance to either watch it on LNK TV or go back and review and read about, hear about, watch it. Uh, So these these little 
nuggets that uh, we have every month, I think, are very, very helpful. Thanks for doing that. Well, thank you, Dale. And I, I want to tell everybody, I, I really, truly believe it's, it's an honor to be able to serve and help. And I, I, that's the whole idea. Everybody that's on the council is here to just make Lincoln a better place. Think about that. Nobody is out to do anything or grandstand. So I, I feel like we've got a good council, good mayor, and everybody's working hard for the citizens. Showing how people in leadership can disagree respectively. Respect, mm-hmm. Respectively. Oh, yeah, we do, of course. Yeah. But All right. We still like each other. Yep. Richard, be safe. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Dale. Richard Happy McGinnis, City Council Chair here on Lincoln Live.